Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It is me again, your host for another episode of Political Theater. It is I, Charles Nash. We have got uh, Ed Sheridan here with uh, Bad Habits. Uh, kind of a weird video, but a, a pretty good song. So we're going to go ahead and get Ed Sheridan. We're going to get him on the down low here. So we can get into the show this evening. Now, I have a lot of things going on here within the last 24 hours. Um, I have a very, very special birthday tomorrow um, for my middle daughter, Lillian. So I'm going to go ahead and tell my middle daughter in advance, happy birthday to her. She is turning six years old, and uh, I tell you, folks, she. Um, I, re I remember the first day that she th she was born that evening, and uh, you know it's 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 crazy. Uh, looking forward here, just how much she's grown and matured. Uh, she's in kindergarten. She's smart as a button, and uh, her and her sisters are just uh, they're I've got I've got three amazing daughters, and let me tell you, I um I feel like sometimes I'm the luckiest man in the world. Uh, you know, there's days where you wake up and you just want to go back to bed, and you know you're getting screamed at and yelled at and pulled out of bed and they want to start the day and you're dead exhausted from a hard work week. But uh, in the end, folks, it, it's it's all worth it. So I just wanted to take a special moment here and wish wish my middle daughter a very happy birthday for tomorrow because, um, Man, like I said, I can I can remember when I was six, and it's a it's a it's a special a special day for for any child when they have a birthday, and especially when they turn six years old. So again, happy birthday, Lillian, and I hope uh, I hope it's a good one for you tomorrow. We got a lot planned, so it's been a busy busy day for me here today. Like I said, um, coming off the heels from the uh, interview with uh, Ohio Governor. Uh, Republican primary candidate um, Ray Metzger uh, here Saturday had a lot, a lot of people view that, got got some really good responses from that. Um, again, um, we're going to try to have more uh, candidates that are running for the governorship of Ohio um, I've had some people reach out to me for some different campaigns. I, I had a, a, a campaign. Um, I don't know if he's a volunteer or, or, or helping run the campaign or he's a manager, but um, uh, Neil Peterson is also in the race for the Ohio governorship. And I reached out to him. Um, I would like to do an interview with him uh, just because I... Again, I would like to be ha have the the chance to interview each candidate. So I have reached out to him. Um, so, Mister Peterson, if you're if you're listening or your campaign is listening, 
Um, I've got a list of questions for you, sir, that I would I would love to get a chance to ask you that not just myself has, you know, wants to ask, but Ohioans questions they're wanting to ask. And I think it's a great way to get uh, your campaign out there to get people to know who you are. Oh, how you feel, how how you you brung yourself into this, uh, you know, the, the run for the governorship. It's important. I will also go ahead and just say that I, I would like to interview um, Mr. Rossini as well. Uh, I would like to get a hold of his campaign if they're open. Like I said, I have no problem traveling if, if they don't want to come here to the to the to the house here at the studio to do it. Um, we've we've put the challenge out, folks, twice now to Joe Blystone. A matter of fact, I've got texts here from Joe Blystone's campaigns from one from Morrow County and the other from his main website uh, down um, where their main headquarters at. I think it's in Canal Winchester. They're kind of going back and forth. They don't want to do it. Then they, they, they want to because they see that I'm actually asking good questions. And then it's, we don't want to. And speaking of Joe Blystone, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. There was a, (laughs) I got two messages today from two different competitors of his who's running for for Ohio governor. I'm not going to say who they were. I I won't do that. I'm not going to throw those individuals under the bus. But, I got two videos, they're the same video, two separate candidates, and in it, it shows a 15-year-old boy not doing anything bad out of the ordinary. He asked Joe Blystone, in person, a question, and Joe Blystone refused to answer it. Matter of fact, Joe Blystone basically had the boy, he actually contacted the police and wanted to have the boy removed from the event where they were at. Now, again, I'm not bringing this up because I have anything against Joe Blystone, but I'm just going to go ahead and reiterate the caption on this video. It says, if you are afraid to answer a question from a 15-year-old boy, how do you expect to be the governor of Ohio? That's a great question. I'm, again, I'm just repeating what was sent to me, and this video is real, folks. I've got it. It's on YouTube. Anybody can view it. So it's just an interesting video to watch and the reaction and the audio in it from him and this 15-year-old boy. Um, Nothing was staged. I actually applaud the 15-year-old boy um, you know, not because it happened to Joe Blystone, it could happen to any candidate, but look, for all the candidates that's out there, rather Republican or Democrat, your primaries are coming up. They're coming up. This, this half-assed, and pardon my language, this half-assed cop and, 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 and give half answers here and there 
or him haul around actual questions, the you know the 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 actual meat and potato questions, folks. If if you're if they're afraid to answer a question because they rather are afraid they're going to lose voters for the answer that they give, are afraid that they're going to offend somebody, or the fact that they just don't know the answer to a question that they're not answering them, or they're getting mad and they're making nasty comments to people or they're walking away. We don't need those people as the governor. We already have one of those in office. His name's Mike DeWine. And I know people is going to go, well, Mr. Nash, I thought you said you weren't against anybody. Folks, you've heard me on my podcast multiple times. I, I, I don't have any personal um, hatred towards Mike DeWine, but I do not care for Mike DeWine as the governor. You know, maybe a while back, I wouldn't have had an issue with Mike DeWine. But Mike DeWine has put Ohio in such a bad economic situation that it's not funny. And people can sit there and say, well, it has to do with the COVID pandemic. No, he has let that go to his head. And I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction here tonight. Come the Republican primary. And I'm going to tell everybody this right now because I I know, I, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen. I'm getting my paperwork here. I have a feeling what's going to happen is, is all the primary candidates are going to get knocked out because of infighting with one another. And Mike DeWine's going to win the primary for the Republican Party again for re-election. And I'm telling you right now, the Dems don't don't hold a chance. I, I, I've, I've looked at the poll numbers for here in Ohio, and it's there's a 35% chance... That Democrats take Ohio. 35% chance that they take Ohio. So the Republicans and the candidates for the Republican primary, you all better start um, really. And just if you don't want to take my word for it, that's fine. Y'all better start really paying attention to Ohioan voters and start answering the tough questions that they're giving you. Don't run away from them. Don't make a half-copped, half-truth answer. Don't skim around the, the corners of it to, to, to give them the what I like to call the, the old politician uh, shine-up when they really don't have an answer to the question. If you don't know the question, just say it. I don't have an answer for that. I'll have to look into that. That's something that, you know, I I can't answer you unless I get in there into the governor's office and I start working with people and we dig deeper into it. That's not a bad answer. If you don't know something, candidates, if you don't know an, an exact answer to a question, just come out and say it to the voter. I don't have an answer for it. But don't lie and don't give half-truths 
or the shine up politician answer. Everyone is getting tired of it. And I get, I, I, I get the same thing every day that I keep reading from people. They're tired of it. And it's not just here in Ohio. It's, it's all over different states, all over the place. So my last comment is, like I said, Republicans, you guys have a primary May the 3rd of next year. It's right around the corner. It's closer than you think. People better start buckling down and start paying attention to the voters. That's just like here the other day, I heard some infighting between, again, not going to name names, candidates in the Republican primary for here in Ohio for the governorship fighting because they're saying, well, I'm a conservative. I like the Constitution. Look, I don't care what you, you label yourself. The voters really don't care how you label yourself. You could say I'm a, 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 a communist liberal running under the Republican platform. Now, you might have some people walk away from saying that, but honestly, most people are going to look at your policies. At least they should be. I preach that all the time. Forget the ind individual, you know, backlash between each other and the he said, she said. Or the label, the political label you want to put yourself as. People want to hear what you're going to do for them. For Ohio. For small businesses. What you're going to do with the tax increases. People want to know what you're going to do about the economy here in Ohio. What you're going to do against the pushback, against the federal mandates, the health care issues here in Ohio. I gave a whole list from two websites here Saturday when I went through and grilled Ray Metzger. And he gave answers. He gave me answers for each one. And there was a couple where he had to scratch his head, folks, and he, he was sitting right beside me. He was a foot and a half away from me at my desk. And he thought long and hard, and he went through, and he gave me answers the best that he could do. Some of them he, some of them he had an idea for because he has a plan for what he wanted to do if he becomes Ohio governor. Some of them, it's like what he said. I got to get in there and see what's going on so that I can make a path for where I think Ohio needs to be led to fix certain problems. There's nothing wrong with that answer. But again, to all the other candidates that's out there, you listen to this, this, this podcast, my, my, my radio show, or you get told about it. 
It's not even a challenge now to Joe Blystone because Joe Blystone is not going to come on this show. But I challenge all the other candidates as well who have been contacting me. They're kind of playing back and forth. They don't know. I don't know what you guys are scared of. As I was told, I'm a small-time, small-business individual. If you are afraid of my voice and the questions that I have pulled from the public and some of the questions I have myself, get out of the race. Just get out of the race now. I'm not a major news network. But at this point in this stage, I guarantee, and no, I'm not a journalist, I guarantee I can ask just as good as questions as a journalist, if not better. Because you see the national news. You see what the national news asks candidates and politicians. They throw them stupid questions, or what I like to call lapdog answers, or lapdog questions. Where it takes no thought process to answer. There's no pushback. And you might hear one or two, but they're few and far between the good ones. So if you're afraid to come against this local guy here who just wants to ask some questions, just get out of the race. I'm just saying that right now. It doesn't even have to be on a state level. It's at local levels as well. I have local people. uh, I've got some more of them coming in this week. If you're afraid to answer questions from from me, I'm 37 years old. If you're an, an average citizen, if you're afraid of the questions that I pose to you or the questions that I'm getting sent to me to pose to you, the candidate, get out of the race. You don't need to be governor of Ohio. You don't even need to be in an elected position at that point. And that's the last word that I'm going to say on that. Going into the news from from my political rant there. Um, sorry if I got off topic there. Um, we do have some news, um, some sad news. Um, it's being reported that Colin Powell, the top U.S. soldier and diplomat, Um, has died from COVID-19 complications. Now, before everyone goes (gasps) and gasps, Colin Powell had medical issues going on. He had a blood cancer um, that he had been fighting for several years and been getting treatment for. They have not released a lot of um, details about this. Um, like I said, he, he, he died today at the age of 84. He lived a long life. He had a long list of achievements. Um, now, I've never met Colin Powell. Uh, I did serve uh, in the military when, when he was, you know, in office. But, uh, again, I... I don't want people who's already scared of the whole COVID pandemic freaking out. 
like I said, he had a blood cancer disorder that he had been fighting for several years, trying to get treatment. He had a compromised immune system. I read reports today that said that that was the, the leading contributing factor to his death. Um, it wasn't just the COVID. Now, the COVID didn't help, but it, it there was other contributing factors. So I'm sure we're going to have flags at half mass, um, rightfully so. But uh, I wanted to go ahead and just say this. I'm sure they're probably never going to hear this, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I, I would like to send my condolences to um, the Powell family. Um, you know, tragedies when, when someone passes away is it, it's a hard thing to go through. Um, so, again, I, I send my condolences to the Powell family. What we're going to do here, um, I'm already hitting over the 20-minute mark here. We're going to go into our first commercial timeout. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this now. We do have new sponsors on this show. Um, you're going to hear um, some of my ad campaigns here for them. They're going to be sponsored each week during my, what I like to call my mini timeout segments or my brief, um, you know, commercial timeouts, or sometimes I even like to call them, um, you know, <laughs> I have, I have different names for them, but, uh, you're going to hear them. And like I said, if you're, if you're local and you're in the Ohio area where I'm broadcasting out of, which is Marion, Ohio, um, I'm also, a lot of these companies are on, um, think local first. So, I'm just trying to help out small businesses and, and, and the communities and the surrounding communities. And I'm going to go ahead and say this on, on my podcast show. If you are a small business, if you're struggling, or if you're doing really good in sales, but you, you, you think you want to hit a, a, a wider you know, customer market, contact me, folks. I will do free advertisement for you on here no charge there's there's no stipulations behind it free ads for you commercial ads for you and i'll try to send some more business your way and help out the small businesses in the surrounding counties so again it's free all you have to do is contact me rather on facebook uh charles nash um you can contact me by phone it's it's listed up there as well on the uh, Think Local First website, or you can send me a message, um, charlesnash937 at gmail.com. Um, you can get a hold of me that way as well. Uh, multiple ways to get a hold of me. And like I said, I it's free of charge. It's just one way that I'm trying to give back to the communities who have given so much to me over the years um, and my family. And I, I, I would like to help out our community, especially especially with everything that Ohio and its residents have been going through, especially small businesses. So we're going to go take our first commercial timeout, and we'll be right back. So stay tuned, folks. When you are in need of drain and plumbing services, there's only one place, ladies and gentlemen, for local service 
that you can actually rely on. That is Dolan Drain and Plumbing Service. Located in Cardington, serving the Morrow County area, Dolan Drain and Plumbing offer quality service and customer satisfaction. With drain cleaning, camera inspections, and a full plumbing service, they offer a 24-7 emergency service for you and your family when the unexpected rears its ugly head. Billing is easy and affordable, and they offer a 10% off for services with cash payments. So if you are in need of a drain or a plumbing service issue, call Doolin and Plumbing Service. Area code 419-560-6807 and put your drain and plumbing services in their hands. You'll be thankful you did, folks. Hi, my name is Brett Cornelius, and I'm running as a Republican for City Council at large. I have lived in the city of Marion, born in the city of Marion, but I've lived in the city of Marion consistently since 1987 with my wife, Katie. Uh, we have three sons, Benjamin, Andrew, AJ, and Asher. Uh, I am pastor at Gethsemane Lutheran Church on the corner of Church and High Street. I care about what's happening in Marion, and I would like to see some of the issues that need to be resolved get done. We have a city sewer system that's outdated and is costing residents money. We need a city charter in Marion uh, because the essence of self-government is the ability for citizens to decide what it is their government does. And we need a local government that's going to stand up to federal and state overreach. Uh, we have uh, red flag laws being proposed and other violations of the Constitution that can only be addressed uh, finally on the local level. And I intend to do that for the voters of Marion. If you would uh, consider my candidacy and give me your vote on November 2nd, my name is Brett Cornelius and I'm running for city council at large. This ad was paid for by Cornelius for Marion. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Charles Nash, from Political Theater. You know, I get to do a lot of local ads for small businesses and businesses that are just opening up here in Ohio. And out of all of them that I've done ads for, there's one that really stands out to me just because of the story behind it, and it's so touching. That would be Footprints and Wax. Now, they are a fairly new small family business they are located between Galleon and Mount Gilead, Ohio. They create all-natural, hand-poured soy wax melts. All-natural, chemical-free face, body, hand, feet, and lip scrubs. Chemical-free products that help eliminate many dangerous toxins from entering the home and our bodies. They also create hand-painted, beautiful wooden ornaments for any occasion. The perfect gift for loved ones. And with the holidays just around the corner, who could pass up on their wide variety of gift baskets they have to offer? Pricing is reasonable and affordable. They provide a professional and speedy process while also trying to maintain the highest quality of products for their customers. 
Working hours are Monday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or on their webpage at www.footprintsandwax.com. Or you can call the owner, Missy Boggs, area code 419-569-1222 for further questions. And tell them that Charles Nash from Political Theater sent you. Thanks, folks. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, from our first commercial break. So I'm going to go right into where we left off. Let me go ahead and we'll get the uh, music from uh, Naughty Boy. It's called La 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 La. Go ahead and get them them turned down here. Folks, where I left off, we had talked about uh, uh, Colin Powell um, passing away here today. Um... The other thing I wanted to add to that, I didn't get to add to that before I went to commercial break, um, reading more into this. Now, Colin Powell had been completely fully vaccinated uh, for quite some time. And, you know, I'm reading reports here that, you know, from news out, different news outlets, and, and they're all saying they don't, they don't understand how he's fully vaccinated and he had COVID and that, that, that caused his, his death. Folks, again... I have restated this and restated this and restated this until my face turns blue. I don't even call it a vaccine anymore. Heck, there was a, a an article that came out today. It was a, a, across from Reuters about how the, the, the actual topic of the, of the article was uh, about the COVID vaccine. It said one vaccine does not fit all sizes. I, I just read that here no longer than about two hours ago. I was sitting at my, my daughter's karate class tonight and, and was reading that. It, it just boggles my mind. I, I've been saying this and saying this to saying this, that I don't even call it a vaccine anymore. It's a shot. It's the equivalent to a flu shot. It's not going to stop COVID-19, folks. This is just another unfortunate death that they're going to say is due to COVID when there's other complications and illnesses that's involved in this. He had blood cancer, folks. Been fighting blood cancer. I mean, I, it, uh, again, I, there, there's, they're, they're never going to come out and just say this, that all these vaccines and all these booster shots they're the flu shot. This is equivalent to what this is. It's a flu shot. Everyone's going to have to keep getting them. And we're going to have to keep uh, pandering to this ridiculous notion that masks are going to protect everybody and you got a six feet social distance for the rest of our lives. And uh, the doom and gloom that comes with this. (sighs) Folks, it's a virus. Like any other virus that's out there. Take my advice like I like I they they said with the swine flu. Just let it come through and we'll be done with this. I, I'm dead serious. Heck, I read more 
more data today from from different outlets, medical outlets, saying that the Delta virus isn't even as, as big of an issue as they're making it claim in all these different states. That they're crunching the numbers now, and now the numbers aren't uh, aren't adding up. Wow, we keep hearing that over and over again. It's just recycled garbage. Oh, it, it, I, again, I just... It makes one head's turn. Going to get into our next article here. Um, this is from Politico, completely off of the COVID subject here. This has to do with the um, policy differences going on right now over the the, the budget finances and the... Um, $3.5 trillion infrastructure, or, or, or should we say info blunder uh, bill. Um, there's an article here on Politico. It says, the Michonne and Bernie show consumes the Democrats. It says it's a spat that could have major policy implications beyond the personalities involved. Um, it is also being tracked closely by the White House. Well... Yeah, uh, I mean, Michonne has basically said he will not support $3.5 trillion. He's a Democrat, and he said he's not going to support it, even with all of the backlash. Now, I, I have to come out and say I, I did a no-no here about two weeks ago. I said on the, the debt ceiling... I said he was going to be the one that came out and turned tail and run. I was wrong. It, it was not. It was not Michonne. Or, excuse me, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin did not... Uh, he did not turn tail and run, and he did not sell out. Unfortunately, it was Mitch McConnell. So that was a no-no on my part. But uh, this, this fight in between the Democratic parties, or I should just say the Democratic Party, um, it shows the divide of the party. There is a divide. Now, you have a lot of news networks saying it's, well, you have moderate Democrats. There is no moderate Democrat. I've never met one yet. I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's no moderate Democrat. You've got left, and then you've got the far left. And I could even go one step further and say then you've got the extreme radical left. The ones that say burn everything down, defund the police. But this is all about money. It's all about the, the infrastructure bill, about not uh, the infrastructure bill not getting passed. Them having to take it from $3.5 trillion down to $1.5 trillion. I mean, I, I think what's going to end up happening is you're, you're going to see, well, you're, you're already seeing it. You're going to start seeing parties, the main parties, start to split and fracture into different groups. And I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing new parties. I mean, I reported that here two weeks ago, that certain Democrats were already starting their own party groups. 
it, it's not a surprise. But that's the um, that's the fart of the, uh, the the first article here on um, Politico. There's also another one on their legal um, their legal side of their homepage. Here it says uh, Trump sues January sixth committee and National Archives. It says Donald Trump is suing the January 6th uh, Select Committee and National Archives to block the release of his White House records related to the Capitol attack. It says former president's lawyers filed the 26-page suit in D.C. District Court on Monday, declaring that the committee's investigation a vexatious legal fishing expedition. It names the January 6th panel's chair, Rep. Bernie Thompson, and the National Archivist, um, David Ferrero, uh, along with the committee and the archives themselves. Trump's legal team contends that the January 6th panel pushed for uh, voluminous records from his administration, such as internal communications with lawyers, campaign uh observatives, and senior officials uh, would shatter the notion of executive privileges, is what they're saying. It says in their suit, it says Trump's lawyers ask a federal judge to um, invalidate the entry request from the select committee to block the archives from turning over materials to Congress in response to the request, and to specifically block the archives from turning over any documents that Trump says or says he has covered by executive privilege. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, if if this is going to a D.C. judge, um, well, I, I'm sorry to say this. I, I don't think the pres- that the former president is going to win out on that. Um, the Washington circuit judges are just as corrupt in my opinion as the New York judges and justice system so uh, most of them are have some kind of a political standing they use it within their uh, jurisdiction of when they're making their rules and rulings and I if I had to make an educational guess off of this um I, I don't think Donald Trump's lawyers in his in this suit is. It, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's going to get thrown out. But that's just my two cents. Got another um, article here. Like I said, the news the news today is all over the place. There's just not one topic that they've clustered over and all started. You know covering it, it's very widespread here this evening now the next one's from newsmax it says supreme court will fast track appeal of texas tough new abortion law uh, well good luck i'm gonna go ahead and read into the article here i, I thought it was a good read it says that the supreme court has agreed to fast track the appeal to block texas abortion um restrictions, which was petitioned to the court by abortion rights activists 
CNBC reported on Monday. It said the case is pending in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, but an expedited appeal to the Supreme Court could bring the case before the High Court as soon as December, according to reports as of today. It says, for now, petitioners for the appeals have until noon Thursday to file a response to the Supreme Court. Texas also has until Thursday to respond to the Justice Department's appeal to the Supreme Court. It says, Texas law which we've talked about here, um, effectively bans most abortions past six weeks after conception by permitting laws against abortion providers and anyone who aids and abets in the procedures. Well, look, now I have, I have had this discussion with many people. You know, as, as a conservative myself, I'm an independent. Don't don't let that confuse anybody. But I have a lot of conservative values. Um, I don't believe in abortion. I I only feel, and I've talked about this before, um, and this is just me, that unless it has to do with incest or you know rape or you have something that is wrong with the child that would cause an emergency with either the baby or the mother, or even incest at that matter. Those are the only reasons I can see an abortion happening. Now, I have heard people say it's my body, my right. I've had this discussion with numerous people, friends, family. I've even had this discussion, folks, with my wife. You know, people feel different on this. I, I see the topic. I, I see the differences. And, you know, I, I understand it. I just don't believe in abortion. I never have. It, taking a life to me, um, and that's what you're doing. To me, that's wrong unless there's an extreme reason behind it. I feel that if you have, <laughs> if you've did the deed and you took no precaution, or you rolled the dice, well, for me, then you need to personally take responsibility for actions that you, you do. You know, I had a, we had a great, um, we had a great day in church I did on Sunday, here this, here the other day, talking about some of the same thing that I'm talking about here with the uh, abortion law out there in Texas that we're talking about. And, you know, it, it surprises me because it, in, in the mass that on church, it was, the, the comment was made that abortions happen because it's an inconvenience to individuals. That's that's the way our society views this now. If it's if it's an inconvenience to somebody, well, then it's acceptable. If it if it's an inconvenience to someone's life, where they're going to have to make some changes and step up, it's acceptable. And that that's just a true statement, especially with today's generations. 
You know, we look at we look at economics, the workforce. Nobody wants to work. Everybody wants a handout. They want to complain that they have no money, but they don't want to work. That's the generation we live in now. When I was a kid and you got out of line, you got spanked. You got your your butt blistered. Now you try to correct your child and it's child abuse. You know, I this all falls back on many things, many issues. The woke culture with making this country weak. We see it in our military. We see it everywhere. I blame the the the, the justice system our current justice system because now it's we don't serve to protect the American citizen the person who abides by laws now it's you people go to jail the good people go to jail and are punished and the criminals get away with murder crime sprees with robberies Breaking and entering. All those things now are a slap on the wrist. And in certain states, they let people write out. You don't even serve any time. Slap on the wrist. But your average law-abiding citizen, well, we get the, the, the gavel thrown at us. And there's just a lot of reasons why what's going on in our country. And it's not even just here. It's in different places around the world with Western culture. And this is why things are falling apart. We have forgotten what we stand for and who we are and what is right and what is easy. And I know what people are thinking. They thought I was going to say right from wrong. No, it's what's right and what's easy. Because nowadays, most people, instead of doing what is right, they do just what is easy. What is less convenient on them. If it's, if it's, if it's not a, if it disconvenience somebody, they just want to take the easy way. And that's how I feel with abortion. People want to mess around but they don't want to take responsibilities for their actions. And I'm not talking just one partner. I'm talking both partners. And I know I'm going to have people go, well, Mr. Nash, I mean, you, you got to know it's different circumstances. Well, you know what? I have three beautiful children. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, one of them's going to have their sixth birthday tomorrow. I wouldn't trade any of that for, for anything. And I have told my wife, Brooke, if, if, if God says down the road here that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm to have more children, so be it. I will welcome that. I will welcome that as a blessing. More people need to really think about this whole issue with abortion, with the way we're raising our children, 
And it's not just the generation, the kids. A lot of it has to do with the parents. You have a lot of parents who do not want to be parents. It's easy just to turn the kid loose and not parent them. You can't do that. You have to be actively involved in your children's lives. You have to. Not just their education. You should be an active participant in their lives to help guide them. And they're going to fall along the way. And you're going to have to let your kids make mistakes. You're going to have to let them fall and pick themselves back up. And if they need guidance, you need to be there for them. But parents, a lot of parents nowadays don't want to do that. I read a statistic here the other day that said that there is a, a, a large number. I think they said it's now up to 42% of households in America right now that the parents aren't even raising their own children. It's the grandparents. Rather because of drugs, alcohol, abuse, abuse to children in general, or an unforeseen factor. And grandparents are having to step up and raise their grandchildren. I just, I found that phenomenal. And then it went down through and it broke down uh, the list of ages. And you've got grandparents that's in their 80s taking care of their grandchildren. And it really, it, 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 it does, it, it boggles my mind. And me, myself, being a parent, I think on this, and I go, man, I, I could never turn my back on being a, a parent, on being a father. Because once, once, once you have that opportunity and, it, and it's, it's, it's thrusted upon you, you're a parent. You're, you're taking care of a life or lives. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility even when they become adults. Because they're still going to come to you for guidance, for wisdom. And I just, I, I, it, it, it does, it, 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 it really does blow my mind every day when I read reports like this. And that's my two cents on why the country is the way it is right now. And, and with this whole fight with the abortion law in Texas and these appeals, I, I don't care what people think when I say this. I hope the abortion law stands. And I really do. I, I, I really hope that this movement grows because, um, like I said, and this is my opinion, but I, I just don't believe in abortion. I just, I don't. I, I could never see myself being in that in that role. I couldn't even see myself as a physician doing those procedures. Well, folks, again, we're, we're over the uh, almost 25-minute mark here. I'm going to take one more commercial break, and then when we be back, we will finish up the news for the night and head into the end of the podcast. So we're going to quick commercial break. 
and we'll be right back. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. It's me again, Charles Nash, your host from Political Theater. When you wake up in the morning, you're tired. You're trying to fumble around the bedroom, find your way down the stairs into your kitchen. And what's the one thing you want to do? You want to get woke up. Well, that's where I have a problem. In the morning, I try to find the best coffee that I possibly can. The regular things off the store shelves just don't work for me. But I found a coffee and a company that does. It's called Black Rifle Coffee. Now, Black Rifle Coffee is made and owned by veterans here in the United States. They serve a premium coffee. The coffee is imported from highly qualified coffee beans from Colombia and Brazil. They're roasted for five days at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. They have some of the best coffee that you can imagine. One cup and even a half a cup gets me woke up in the morning and I've got enough energy to carry me through the rest of the day. So I'm here to tell you about Black Rifle Coffee. You can go online to blackriflecoffee.com, order from their webpage. They will ship it to your house directly. They've got several different kinds of roasts. And again, some of the best coffee you'll ever have. That's Black Rifle Coffee. And if you don't want to believe me or take my word for it, go to their website. You can get a free trial yourself and taste the magic in their coffee. Again, that's Black Rifle Coffee. Try it. As I was aging, the pain in my hips was getting worse and worse. So I ordered Relief Factor for pain I was having in my neck and my knees. After 30 years of back pain, I have found relief. I am pain-free. I love it. I am so glad that I ordered Relief Factor. I am now pain-free. Thank you, Relief Factor. Folks, I don't know how to tell you how rewarding it is to hear all the wonderful Relief Factor success stories. Pat Boone again. Let me ask you, are aches and pains keeping you from sleeping through the night? Or keeping you from taking those nice long walks or playing golf or tennis? You can't really call it living if you can't get around comfortably. The three-week quick start from Relief Factor may be all you need to lower or even eliminate these pains. Here's something you need to know. The majority of people who order the three-week quick start, now only $19.95, go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make MyPillow become one of the fastest-growing companies in America. Over the last 12 years, you've helped MyPillow create thousands of jobs right here in the USA. Every MyPillow is made with passion here in my home state of Minnesota to ensure you get the best sleep of your life. One of the things that I really like about MyPillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug. I've never slept better in my life. What's better than a great night's sleep? Sleep is one of the most important things to your health, and MyPillow is one of the most important things to your sleep. Call or go to MyPillow.com now, and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code, and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. 
I tried every pillow from expensive down pillows that just went flat to fiber fill pillows that rebound every time you move your head. I even tried those memory foam pillows and the curve did not match my neck and it probably won't match yours. That's why I invented my pillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and helps keep your neck supported and aligned. When I got my pillow, I'm asleep almost immediately. I stay asleep at night and I wake up more well-rested in the morning. My pillow lasts 10 years, is machine washable and dryable, and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. I personally guarantee my pillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own or your money back. Call or go to MyPillow.com now and Mike will give you two MyPillow premiums for one low price. Use the promo code and you'll also receive free shipping. That's two MyPillow premiums for one low price. With our 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Sleep well, America! And we are back from commercial break here. We're in the final stretch of the show, folks. So just stay with me here. I'm going to go ahead and get The Stroke here. A great song. Really, really great song. Oh, good song there. But we're going to get right back into the news here. Like I said, going into Fox News here. Uh listening to uh, some of the articles on here, and there was a good one that just came up. Got one on here. <laughs> They've got Biden coming out of a restaurant. Uh, looks like it's an Italian restaurant. And he has no mask on. And he's breaking his own D.C. mandate. Now, I've seen people on Twitter... Uh, trying to cover for Mr. Biden, our president, saying, well, he's got a mask in his hand. I mean, he just came out of a restaurant from eating. Uh, 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 uh. That's not the rule, remember? The mask comes off while you're eating or drinking, but as soon as you get up and you leave, that mask is supposed to be on and you're supposed to be social distancing. Remember? Remember all this crap that we keep hearing from Joe Biden and his administration and Dr. DeFauci? Remember? Those are the rules. That's part of the mandate. Of course, he's in this picture, he's he's got mask in hand, walking out wild-eyed, and he's outside the restaurant. Where's the mask, Mr. President? Remember, masks save lives. I, I'm, I'm also looking at the posts on here with people saying, what a hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> there's one on here that says, go Brandon. <laughs> I, I'm still laughing about that. A uh, couple other ones on here on Twitter that I'm, I'm, I'm reading. Um, one said, one said, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Put your mask on, Mr. President. Uh, another, another Twitter feed here says, uh, and, and these are just random uh, people from all over the United States. One says, uh, mandates by the king, but not for the king. So, now, 
Getting to uh, the top news article here on Fox News. It says the um, AG report, uh, the, the, excuse me, the State Department uh, IG to probe Biden administration's chaotic uh, Afghanistan withdrawal. It says the State's Department Inspector General is launching a serious investigation into the Biden administration's last diplomatic moves in Afghanistan. It says the review will focus on the State Department's special immigrant visa program, Afghans processed for refugee administration into the U.S., resettlement of refugees and visa recipients, and the emergency evacuation of the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, according to an October 15th memo to the Security of State uh, Belkin, first reported to Politico and confirmed with Fox News. There's also some other articles within this article itself. One of them here says, Retired military leaders demand mass resignation of Biden team. Miley, Austin, Belkin, uh, Sullivan. Yeah, good luck with that. Those people are not going to leave their top tier positions in the armed forces or in any of our branches of military. It doesn't matter if they completely screwed up and left Americans in Afghanistan to be murdered and killed. It doesn't matter. There's there's going to be no... Um, There's there's gonna there's there's gonna be no retaliation with them losing their jobs. They're not gonna resign. It's gonna be just like the FBI and certain leadership within the FBI that went after Donald Trump, or I should say candidate Trump before he became president. And when we've got that, what do they do? They didn't do anything. A couple low-level individuals that touched some paperwork got fined, fired, or went to jail. None of the big people that was involved. Look at Comey, folks. Comey lied to everybody. He lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee. He lied under oath. Do you see him doing prison time? They did nothing and I mean nothing. We still haven't got answers for all of that. Look at Hillary Clinton. You take bleach bit to a server. You smash it with a hammer. You have a server in your basement. With all different secret classified material on there. And it gets hacked. Now, where's accountability for that? And you know damn well she's never going to have anything happen to her. No one's going to have anything happen to him. It's a joke. So me reading this off to everybody, and me reading these sections about, the, you know, you have masked former retired leaders and and individuals asking for the, for the top tier resignations of military officials. Yeah, good luck. It's never going to happen. It's a joke. I just wanted to read this article off to everybody because it just shows that um 
the seriousness that's still being looked at with the Afghanistan pullout or the blunder, as I call it. But you're never going to have anything done. I mean, we have a House that's ran by Democrats. We have a 50-50 Senate. And we have a Democrat in office who, you know, on some days might know his name. And on other days, um, well, he's out getting ice cream and and asking what color the sky is and touching your some young girl's shoulder and hair and telling her how pretty she is and telling a small child, come to the poolside. I've got blonde uh, peach hair on my legs. And that's who our that's who our president is. Then I have this other news article here. Goes into Mr. Biden again. It says Biden's burden. It says liberal media hosts blame president for Dems fighting with each other. Now, I talked about this here earlier with Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders. And I have to apologize because I got Joe Manchin's name wrong. I was reading off another list. This is from NBC's Chuck Todd. He says the burden is on Biden. It says White House to resolve Dem infighting on spending. Take control of this. Uh-huh. It says NBC News political director Chuck Todd railed against President Joe Biden in the White House. Aimed the Democrat infighting over the $2 trillion spending bills being debated on Capitol Hill. It says, on Sunday today, guest Willie Yeast listed President Biden's stalled agenda in Congress from the failure to passing a voting bill and police reform along with bipartisan infrastructure bill and a giant social spending bill being pushed by progressive lawmakers. Asking Todd, what, when does this get done? He quoted, President Biden has to get more involved. Todd reported, Chuck Todd reported, the only one that makes any progress is the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Why did it make progress? Well, the White House ran the negotiations here. No, that's not it. Joe Biden ran down there. During the fights, he ran down to the House floor. It didn't do any good. It didn't do any good. What did it do, Chuck? If it had done any good, you would see your precious infrastructure bill passed a deal on the table, and we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Biden has done nothing across the board. The man takes five naps a day. He's too busy to get anything done, Chuck. You name one thing on there, Chuck Todd, that he's done. He's done nothing. And as for the Democratic Party, well, again, I broke this down for everyone. There's, there's, no, there's no moderates. You have left, which they're saying is progressives. You have far lefts. And then you have the radical extremists. That's that's the uh, that, that, excuse me that that's the Democratic Party, and, and I'm sorry, folks. I mean that's how you break them down. But the White House hasn't done anything. The White House isn't going to do anything. 
This is why none of our allies work with us anymore. They've refused to until we get a new administration in. I mean, we have Nancy Pelosi and her group. What I like to call the um, Flintstones, pretty much. They've been around since, you know, the dawn of time. Then you have the AOC group, which... I really hope to God, and I hope bartenders around the United States don't take offense to this, but if if you're as dumb as, as AOC, um, God help us when we're getting drinks served to us. But you have AOC's group. They're, they're the airheads. And then you've got the radical group, like I said, that's even more radical, and their job is to push these agendas that... Rather make no sense, hurt someone and get them killed, or it's everything's a racist um, racist remark or racism is, is alive and well and it's the top major issue in, in the United States or it's we need to tear down statues and so forth and so forth. And that's what we have in the Democratic Party. So is anything Chuck going to get really fixed? No. And Joe Biden is not your man at the helm of the ship. He's the guy that they've thrown over the ship and they've said, yeah, we got rid of that wacko. He was sailing us south when we should have went north. So I don't really know what to tell Chuck Todd. I think he's delusional when he says that Joe Biden is, is, needs to get more involved. He's the man to, to crack a deal uh, I, I don't think so. There's other things in the news. It's it's mostly same old, same old. There was an article here that I did read here this afternoon. It says, uh, Secretary uh, Bigotti stuns critics by slamming supply chain failure as a result of President Biden's success. I'm going to close out the podcast with this tonight. <laughs> it says, uh, Bigotti is under fire for claiming supply chain crisis is due to Biden uh, guiding country out of recession. Are you kidding me? You have got to be kidding me. Just read this nonsense. It says, Transportation Secretary Pete Bigotti claims that the U.S. supply chain was only strained because President Joe Biden's success in guiding the country out of recession raised plenty of eyebrows on Sunday. You sure bet it is. I'm reading this and it's raising my eyebrow. It says the U.S. supply chain crisis has affected Americans of all strips, stripes, all the way around the country despite the White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, endorsing the message that it, it and inflation are high-class problems. High-class problems? You have got to be kidding me. This has nothing to do with someone being rich or poor. This has to do because you closed down all of the ports all over the coastline in the United States 
We do not have enough truck drivers. You've put stipulations on everybody. You've shut down businesses all over the U.S. and you continue to still try to keep businesses closed. Or, like I seen the other day, Joe Biden came out and said, well, uh, gee, folks, I'm going to uh, make the ports open 24-7 and uh, we're going to have shipping through UPS and Amazon, Walmart, and all of these major retailers, they, you got to work 24-7. Truck drivers, you're going to work 24-7 and uh, that's going to relieve our problem. What I'm not telling the American people, gee, I hope this mic is not on a hot mic, is, uh, well, in places like California, um, I only let cer certain trucking companies come in that have drivers that's fully vaccinated. That's what's going on. They have videos out in California where you can look at the shipyards and the trucks that's coming in. There's not a lot coming in and going out. Because you have Governor Newsom out there. You have the Democrats that's in control. You have the Biden administration. Only certain companies are allowed to truck material from those sites. From those shipping sites. It is not full throttle like he's trying to sell everybody to fix a problem. It's people that certain companies that run under the Democratic flag or if you've been fully vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated, you don't, you, you, you don't have a job. They're not letting you into these locations. But yet you have an, you have an article here where they're praising Joe Biden from bringing us out of a recession. total garbage and then they they blame high class it's the high classes problem they're to blame now you see how they blame everybody it's like a tier system of just who we can point the finger at next so sad and there you have it folks like i said and i got I, I got his name, his last name. It's Pete Buttigieg. I'm pronouncing it wrong again. It's Buttigieg. It's Buddha Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, he was the mayor. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I, I got the last name wrong there. I'm, I'm reading several different pieces of paper here in front of me tonight. And yeah, it's Pete Buttigieg who's making these comments. I, yeah. Oh, look, there's an, there's an actual video of Pete Buttigieg explaining this. Let's let's see if I can get this to play here. Experiencing this year will continue into next year, but there are both short-term and long-term steps that we can take to do something about it. Look, uh, part of what's happening isn't just the supply side, it's the demand side. Demand is off the charts. Retail sales are through the roof. And if you think about those images of uh, ships, for example, waiting at anchor on the West Coast, you know, every one of those ships uh, is full of record amounts of goods that Americans are buying uh, because demand is up, because income is up, uh, because the president has successfully guided this economy out of the teeth of a terrifying recession. Well, you just heard it, folks. 
Joe Biden has has pulled us out of out of this recession, out of this pandemic disaster when it comes to supply. Now, if if you're smart and you, I, I know my viewers and listeners out there are. You know damn well, you go into a store, you can't find half of what you need to find. It's, it's not there. It's not available. Or you're only allowed a certain number of that said item. So this garbage that you're hearing from Pete Buttigieg or any other Democrat that Joe Biden is the savior of the supply chain issue, they haven't done anything. And you heard him. He, he just said what I just told you. If you look at the videos of, of the ports and the ships and them trucking in and out, it's supply demand going. Of course, there's a supply demand going up. There's nothing in the stores. Come on. I, 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 I honestly think some of these individuals that we have in our leadership roles, I'm telling you, they, I'm just going to go ahead and just say it. My father said this best to me a long time ago, and it's the truth. They rather have their head in the sky or their heads up you know what because they are so far out of reach about what's going on in everyday normal American lives, it's not funny. These people are delusional. And that's where I'm going to leave my podcast tonight is Pete Buttigieg praising on CNN that Joe Biden is the savior of a recession, the savior of the supply chain issue, which he hasn't done anything. And he's going to be the savior to bring us into a prosperous new America. You let me know when that happens, because I don't see anything like that happening anytime soon there, Pete. Well, that is the show for tonight, folks. Um, I want to thank again everybody for tuning in. We're going to have some guests uh, coming in and out here the next week or two. So I will get more definitive names and dates as that comes closer. So again, this has been another great episode with me, your host, Charles Nash, for another episode of Political Theater. Signing off for the night, and I just want to say again, thank you folks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>